What's happening, weirdos? It has been a while since we had a good old-fashioned ROMcast. A ROMcast, for those of you that don't know, is a podcast where we talk to someone who is close to, in this case, and a friend of, in this case, Ramdas, uh, one of the greatest teachers and friends and mentors and just wonderful people uh, that I've ever known. If you don't know Ramdas, I always tell people to start with um, Experiments in Truth, which is an audio series. Uh, I know it's in the iTunes store. Um, it's it's wonderful. Um, also, there's a lot of great free content of uh, Ramdas's on YouTube, so you can always look for his talks on there. They're all wonderful. Just type in R-A-M-D-A-S-S into YouTube and check them out if you're so inclined. So this is Ramesh Wardas. Uh, we we call him Ramesh, um, and we we call him Ramesh, but everybody calls him Ramesh because Ramesh Wardas is very difficult to say. Um, he co-authored a number of R.D.'s books, including one of my favorites, Polishing the Mirror, Be Love Now, and most recently, R.D.'s final book, which is called Being Ramdas, which is his life story. It's an autobiography of Ramdas, and Ramesh was the co-author on this one as well, and he nails it. It's incredible. It's such a compelling read. There's so much stuff that even I didn't know, and I'm obsessed with Ramdas. And there were so many new stories and so many new things to learn. So I definitely recommend that book. Please check it out. It is available now. And if you enjoy this podcast, please uh, show your support by trying one of the Pete's Picks. Currently, uh, I am on. <laughs> I'm on. I took a bunch of Alpha Brain earlier today because I was writing a script. Alpha Brain is a nootropic. It helps support memory and focus. It is earth-grown ingredients that goes directly into your noggin and helps, in my personal experience, helps with creativity, helps with memory, helps with focus, it helps with recall, helps with concentration. I really wish I knew about it in college. It would have been very helpful. Here it is, but I'm very helpful. uh, I'm very helpful (laughs) in general, but I'm very grateful that I have it now. For the past six or seven years, I have not done a podcast either guesting on someone else's podcast or this podcast or stand-up comedy or written a script or written uh, a book or anything that uses my brain. 15 minutes beforehand, I've always taken alpha brain. Even sometimes when I'm just hanging out with friends and I want to be sharp and I want to be present. I love it. It's not like caffeine. It's not a stimulant. Uh, In fact, I sometimes take it before bed because it gives me really trippy dreams. So the best way to know if you will love it, I love it. A lot of my friends love it. But if you want to know if you love it, you should just try it, and you can get it for 10% off and show your support of this podcast by going to onnit, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash weird, and everything on that page will be 10% off, and buying some off of that site will help this show directly, so we appreciate that. Also, one of our newer Pete's Picks is Liquid IV. Liquid IV is a uh, beverage supplement that is not only delicious, You get two to three times the amount of hydration as plain water. One serving of liquid IV provides the same hydration as full bottles, is what I'm saying. Two to three full bottles of water. It contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. It's way healthier than sugary sports drinks, but tastes just as good. No artificial flavors or preservatives and less sugar than an apple. And it's made with clean ingredients. It's non-GMO, it's vegan, and has no gluten, dairy, or soy. Uh, Val and I have started making this part of our sauna regimen. As you know from listening to the show, I am a big sauna lover. 
So I sauna almost every day. And when I'm coming out of the sauna, completely dehydrated, almost dizzy from lacking water, I chug a liquid IV. I, I like the passion fruit. That's my favorite flavor. And it goes right into my cells and I feel amazing. Hydration has always been a big key for me, for my overall wellness and a clear, sharp mind. So for 2021, after so much hibernating, I've just been trying to hike and sauna more. And a big part of that is staying hydrated. And I've just started doing that with the help of my favorite hydration product, Liquid IV. They have a lot of great flavors, watermelon, lemon, lime, and passion fruit. They recently launched strawberry, which tastes like a freshly picked, ripe, juicy strawberry with just a decadent note, a sousson of whipped cream. It's amazing. It's such a good flavor. We love them all. Like I said, passion fruit is my personal favorite. Uh, the way that it works is cellular transport technology. It's an optimum ratio of glucose, sodium, and potassium that delivers water and nutrients into the bloodstream. It's the perfect balance to get help you hydrate more quickly and more effectively than water alone. And they are an incredibly generous company. With each purchase you make, they donate to someone in need around the world. That's disaster zones, hospitals, impoverished communities. As of December 2020, they've donated over 9 million servings. So... Grab some strawberry liquid IV or their other great flavors in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code WEIRD at checkout. That's 25% off anything when you use promo code WEIRD at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today, liquidiv.com, and show your support of the show with promo code WEIRD. Uh, Is that it? That's not it. That can't be it. I did not open all of them. There it is. Harry's. Holy shit, Harry's. I love Harry's. This is where I've been getting my razors lately, and I am totally 100% on board. For years, I was using uh, one of the main brand people in the CVS with the key that you have to get a manager to unlock it like a jewelry case so I can have the privilege of getting a Smollett razor. Let's just call it a Smollett this week. Too often we are choosing between quality or a fair price, but with Harry's you don't have to choose. They give you award-winning blades at factory direct prices. I was with the big guys as I mentioned, but I was so surprised that when I started using Harry's blades, they're not only as good, but even better than Smollett's in my experience. It contours to my face and you can feel just how sharp and effective the blades are. Spots I usually have to go over two to three times. I can just shave it once and be done with it. For a limited time, Harry's is offering their starter sets, plus a free body wash. This always seems like a typo, but it's for $3, three American dollars, 12 quarters. That's insane. At harrys.com slash weird. They deliver a close, comfortable shave at a fair price. It's only two bucks a refill. Harry believes in quality so much they bought their own factory in Germany so they could own every step of the manufacturing process. Harry's team combined a simple ergonomic design with five sharp blades. They sourced their steel from Sweden and manufactured those blades in their world-class factory. Harry's German factory is one of the few select manufacturers in the world that have mastered the technology to create the Gothic arch so it's thick on one end and gets thinner and thinner and sharper and sharper as it gets to the tip. It's the gold standard of razor blade grinding. It's 100% 
100% quality guarantee. They stand behind the quality of their blades so much. They have a 100% money-back guarantee on harrys.com. And for a limited time, Harry's has an exclusive offer. You can get the starter set, the Harry's starter set, and a free body wash for just 3 bucks at harrys.com slash weird. That's over a $16 value for just $3. You get the five-blade razor with a weighted handle, shave gel, travel cover, and a travel size body wash for 3 bucks. It's an incredible deal, so it's going to go fast. Go to harrys.com slash weird to redeem your offer and show your support of this show. And, guys, if you haven't heard yet, we have a live You Made It Weird. It's on April 10th. That's coming up. That's this weekend. So, please, we want to see you out there. It's going to be me. It's going to be Sweet Lady V. It's going to be Jason Schwartzman. Holy shit. One of my favorite actors of all time. And music from Matt Berninger. He's going to be playing two songs, and we're going to chat with him. And we'll be able to chat with you in the chat the whole show and interact with you guys. So it's going to be a a group effort and a lot of fun. So get tickets to April 10th live show at PeteHolmes.com, and we will see you there. In the meantime, get being Ram Dass and enjoy my chat with Ramesh, Rameshwar Dass. Get into it. Hi, Mesh. There we are. Hey. Well, that's the beach. I think I'm going to give you the real thing. <laughs> Please, let's make a, a goal for our chat. Let's let's only be real. We'll give the real thing. Although that that is a lovely beach. It's a good beach. Uh, where's the nun? Oh, even better. <laughs> even better. There's Maharaji. Hmm. We got Ganesha. We have another Maharaji. <laughs> See, people want people want to know what is in Ramesh Wadar. Ramesh Wadar. I never call you Ramesh Wadar. Does anybody? It's Ramesh Wadar Das. I'm a Das. No, I know. We Das is assumed. We can call. Although to be, I never called Ram Das Ram. So you got a, a very good point there. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing okay. You know, yeah. this is crazy time, but. In in do you mean press or you mean COVID or you mean? Um, well, I, you know, it's been a year long uh, enforced retreat. Yeah, both with uh, the the book project, which I mean, it's been amazing having that happening while I was sequestered. Really, something to do. You mean? Uh, it was definitely something to do. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even uh, you know even before uh, we were. Getting uh, sequestered. I didn't go to any of the memorials for Ramdas because there were deadlines. Oh my goodness! Wow. So that was happening at the same time. Yeah, you know, I, I was uh, planning to read the uh, final version to him uh, after the December retreat. Wow. And uh, that didn't quite work out. Wow. What a crazy thing! I. No. You know, it might not be the same, but I I also have regret to not go to his. What do you call it? His burning? Do you you just call it his burning? <laughs> his yeah, uh, I mean, cremation, well, the cremation, the incineration, yeah. or whatever you want to. I mean, it is a burning. Yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> he was burning. he was hoping to be burned outdoors, but that didn't work out either. Oh, he wasn't. <laughs> 
I assumed he was. No. He couldn't. They, uh, Bodhi, the guy who runs the death store on Maui. I don't know it. There's a death store? Yeah. Oh, that sounds like the Death Star. I, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a death store and, and he handles the cremations and stuff? Yeah, he's a Sufi teacher. And okay. he handled the funeral arrangements. And he and Ramdas have been collaborating for years. Trying, they were trying to get uh, a uh, uh, a green burial uh, thing and a group, uh, an outdoor cremation permit. Yeah, and it looked like they were going to get it. And then uh, I think the county health department turned them down. Well, right. I mean, they're pretty hard on like burning leaves. I have to imagine a human body. Has to have some sort of environmental concern. Is that it? I don't know. You know we don't know. I, it, well, this, this is why I had you on the podcast to, to tell me about <laughs> cremation. And, and we're recording, by the way. It's not fine. a gotcha moment. I hope it's okay. Sure. If we just sort of start naturally, I, I don't want it to feel like AM radio and uh, welcome, <laughs> welcome. Although I, I will say, I'm so happy to see you. Yeah, and I'm you so happy too. that we're doing this. Seeing that beach behind you. Can you imagine how good it'll feel to be back at um, the Napili Kai when we when we all can gather again? I mean, I I really did take it for granted. Like yeah. we, no, of course I think we'll be we back. We all did, but you know, it was it was the annual check in, and that's where I would always see you. And we always Val and I and Lila all loved seeing you. And it now because of this. I close my eyes and think about being back there, and it's just almost too much to bear. We didn't know how good we had it. Just a, a community of a satsang of people, at least generally interested in pointing in the same direction. You know, lots of different kinds of people, but yeah. similar hearts. I mean, is There's that your something experience? something very magical that happened there. Right. And I've I've really thought about it since we haven't been around there. I mean, I've, I've had to uh, practice on Zoom mostly. <laughs> yeah. Which, which can, you, you yeah, can no, it forget. Has yeah. <laughs> it has something. It has something. Uh, but it's not reality. And yeah. for people interested in turning the volume up on reality, to drop anchor into the moment and really see the panoramic of the present... When you flatten Ramesh into a screen, it's not quite, it's not quite the same. Uh, by no means. <laughs> by no but means. it's nice to see you, even in the little box. I'll take it. I'll take it. It's, it's the best we can do for now. But when, when, when we're back, and I think that'll be a really big retreat when, when we finally can. Which, you know, in a strange way... With Ramdas uh, having left his body, I was like, "Oh, I think there'll be like this dip, right?" I, I'm sort of like a, I'm a show person, I'm a showman, so yeah. I'm like, "Oh, I, I wonder if if it'll be as popular." I'm thinking of it not in a business way, but like, will this special place still well, have? Will, a, will it work? Will it work? <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, Krishna Das has his own draw and every, all the teachers, but it's sort of like, does everyone want to fly to? Maui, it's so expensive and all these things. And I was like, I think even more so now it'll mean something to me to be back where 
at any moment you'd see RD rolling in. I mean, that was that was always so fun. Or, and I'm not just buttering your bread. I have a very vivid memory of walking by that big round hot tub, the bigger one, mm. and just seeing you kind of looking like a little kid <laughs> cooking, like cooking in the hot tub <laughs> just cooking but you didn't you looked like a baby boy you really did <laughs> there like i think that might be the magic you're talking about is walking around barefoot the 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 greenery obviously everywhere in hawaii is so lush but it's just so lush can you i can see it in my mind the walk to the to the open air area where all the talks are and where your meditation was and all yeah. that stuff the 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 flowers talk about if you can drop anchor it's unbelievable what you'll see on a walk from anywhere you could go to the bathroom and you'll see something where you're just like oh my god the earth is lunging to the sun and it just reminds you mm-hmm. that you're you're not that different right that that is one of the really beautiful things about that particular place too cuz they take such pride in those gardens and they're yeah. always working on them yeah. I think, though, you know, I'm, I've been really sort of musing on what the qualities of those r- retreats were about. And um, I, I keep sort of thinking of this uh, combination of uh, uh, kind of Buddhism and bhakti, mm. which yeah. I, I think is really, you know, it's, it's like a special potion for this time. I think so, too. I... <laughs> You're reminding me. You, I was, I, re- I was remembering that you guys would talk about when you were in India. You had the five tools. It was drinking tea. Oh yeah, the uh, five lived yoga. Yeah, sleeping, e- eating, sleeping, drinking tea, gossiping, and walking yes. about. Yes, yes, and I, um, not to directly compare, but one of my five tooled yogas of being at that retreat was complaining that. <laughs> Things were so Buddhist. It's it was a real joy of mine. It wasn't from an angry or ugly place. I hope, mm. but anyone who would listen, I would be like, "Where's Christ? Where's Krishna? Where, where's any of it?" Because and, and and please, not Jack Cornfield to me is a bhakti in his own way. I know he's from the Buddhist tradition, but I was always. Ranting, and I'm putting this to you for your thoughts. I was like, if you listen to Ramdas talk, you can't pin him down. It's one of the fun things about him. Yeah. Is he'll sort, he'll go here, he'll go there, he'll go here. And I was like, and then we come here and and, and we learn about the void. <laughs> and I know there's overlap. I know there's a lot of Buddhists that are very devotional. Absolutely. You were, I mean, you were, was... yeah. And Go ahead. people like Jack and uh, Joan Halifax is, is such a complete love bug. Yes, I have. And Sharon, you know, these, the, these folks ab- are deep in the love side of Buddhism. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but and they, they, Go ahead. Well, I, you know, I'm, I wasn't thinking specifically of Buddhism. It's sort of this uh, um, interconnection of... Uh, which I think Ramdas really represented of, of compassion and um, wisdom and uh, devotion and detachment, mm. you know, which mm-hmm. came from his Bhagavad Gita study, and and that, that was where what uh, Maharaji really uh, 
pushed us into a lot too. And I, you know, his we were mostly a bunch of Jewish guys around Maharaji, and he was talking to us about Christ, right? Which blew us all kind of away. <laughs> right, you came I all mean, that I'm, way. I'm in India. I'm you know ten thousand miles away from home, and I'm wearing a cross around my neck. Is that you? You took into it. You I did. You didn't, yeah, you didn't yeah. resist. No, it was really. I mean, on uh, some days we were um, actually Ramdas would read the Bible aloud, and we'd be sitting up on the veranda of the Evelyn Hotel in Nainital. Mm. On the days that Maharaji wouldn't allow us uh, to uh, come to the ashram, or at least we uh, we took that admonition uh, seriously. Anyway, other later after uh, Ramdas left and after I left, uh, apparently uh, he would tell people to leave, and they'd sort of walk out the gate and then come back, and he didn't mind. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> Literally a loophole. You do a loop and find yeah, a loophole. Yeah, I was be here now. You know, you're, okay. You said to leave. I left. So now I'm. <laughs> well, if you're dealing with a being that's outside of time, it's sort of hard to catch you mm-hmm. on a technicality like that. It's like I did leave. <laughs> And, like, I mean, what game was he playing anyway? I have to feel like you're playing ping pong on his level at, at that point if you're acting sort of paradoxically or, or transrationally. Like, you did leave, and I know maybe you meant leave, but now I'm back. And if somebody's in the eternal now, I mean, how could they really mind? Well, there were some people who were just so absolutely determined to be with him uh, as much as they possibly could that they didn't care. Yeah. Speaking of the Bible... There's a Bible story. Jesus, it's very, it's confusing. He teaches people to pray, and he likens it to knocking on someone's door at three in the morning for bread, like a neighbor. Hmm. And he says, you knock, and they say, go away. And then he says, but then you come back, and you knock again, and they say, go away. And I'm pretty sure I'm getting this right. The third time you go and you knock, they're so aggravated. <laughs> they let you in. That they get up and they give you – I don't even know if it's bread. But it's this really kind of confusing – but in that way, sort of groovy teaching that it's like, yeah, you know, if if you really want it, <laughs> like keep coming back. I wonder if that's where that Dylan song of knocking on heaven's door comes. From. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are three knocks, knock, knock, knocking. So it, it sounds biblical to me. Maybe that was in Dylan's Jesus time. He did have that period. <laughs> yeah. That's so interesting. Well, before we we'll get into all of that, I want to I wanted to tell you something specifically up top, which is I was reading the book this morning. Um, I was reading the Maharaji part. So Ardi's just met Bhagwan Das and all these details that I didn't even know, even though we've all sort of heard those stories mm-hmm. many many yeah. times. We get to the part where he's meeting Maharaji, and I have heard that part before, but this is my point. I'm reading it, and all of a sudden, I'm getting that feeling, and this is a compliment I hope to your writing and to the heart and the love that you put into it. I started getting that, what we call darshan, that feeling yeah. that when darshan means like, it's like a, an energy, it's hard to put into words. You get to feel it like you're being visited. Yeah. And I'm with my daughter, and the only way I can read is I'll put on a cartoon. 
And you should have seen it. It was a real, her name is Leela. This was a real Leela. She kept taking the book and throwing it. Uh, and I, I just, I'm a, I'm a real softy. I don't go like, this is mine. Like, I just, like, she's throwing it and she's throwing it. She's going through the pictures and it looks like she's going to rip them. And I'm like, I don't even know what the play is here. I feel like these are like holy pictures. Finally, I got the book uh, back because she lost interest. And just like when I was sitting with Ramdas, his great gift was that, I mean, one of his great gifts was that portal. Hmm. And I was like, here it is, Ramesh. You want, let's get Jewish. This is a mitzvah. This is a mitzvah. It's, it's, a, it's a gift. You polishing the mirror, you're telling these stories. Uh, Be love now, you're telling these stories. Here they are again. And it doesn't matter. It's not the content of the story. Something I had to realize at the retreat, especially after mm. Ramdas was getting older, he'd tell these yeah, stories. It would take take sixty minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would take a very long time for him to tell a story, and that was a teaching in itself. Where you go, like we all know the punchline, spleen. We all know the punchline. Yeah, but it was as you guys always say, it's the space in between the words. That was so, the part of space where. Um, do you remember that wavy gravy quote of? of he said Ramdas went from being the master of the one liner to the master of the ocean liner. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> but here I am, a showman, and I'm like, let's get popping, let's get action, let's get a new story, let's give these people something to talk about. And Ramdas, who's also a showman, is is saying, Nope, you're gonna listen to the silence in between. The, those labored words of this story. Mm. And that's where the transmission would happen. So I'm reading this book. It's called Being Around Us. There's our plug. You can tell your, we can tell our, your publisher um, and honor the work that you've done. It's an incredible book, but it was giving me a darshan. It was incredible. Yeah. That, that sort of, I mean, you had to have it. Well, what, what does that make you think of? Did you, did you have that writing it? You had to be soaking in it with RD as you're reliving these things, what does that make you think of? Yeah, there were many moments that that occurred, and and if that comes through, even you know momentarily in the course of that, uh, somebody in, encountering it, uh, we did it. Yeah, um, but that you know that was what I got from Ramdas the first time I met him, and it was his. Uh, I I thought it was Ramdas. But it was that space that Maharaji lives in, in right. all of us. Right. It's that heart space. What was it? Maharaji's the worm? <laughs> no. <laughs> is that it? Ramdas was the worm. Ram, excuse the me. Ramdas was, <laughs> Ramdas was the hook. I'm sorry. Maharaji was the hook. Ramdas was the worm. And like we're the, the fish. Bait. Yeah. <laughs> we're yeah, the yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, none of these... Uh, are very flattering. You don't want to be a hook either, and you don't really want to be a fish necessarily. It depends. Maybe you're a beautiful fish. But that is this great distinction because I had that too. Mm-hmm. I'd, like, I'd like to back up a little. We'll, we'll, there's no way we won't touch on that more, the idea of transmission and all that. But I'm curious. I know there's an all-night Ram Dass talk, which is a recurring, literally a dream of mine, a nighttime dream where I'm it's the 60s or the early 70s, and mm. we're wearing white clothes. And <laughs> I just, I know from even just watching documentary footage of that time that the, the feeling in the air was just different. It was just different. You could, you could take that many ways. I have to think that 
not having smartphones, not having the internet is already an up, you know, and I felt that in the 80s. There was like a different quality and urgency to life. There yeah. wasn't like, oh, I can get a car, I can get help, I can get food, I can, like all in my pocket. So there was a real immediacy. I remember driving when I was 16, 17, no phone. And you're just like, I'm in the Wild West. <laughs> you know, you're 17 years old and you're like in your mom's Volvo. You're like, but like wow. that, <laughs> right. And boy, did that give you like a, 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 a bigger... I was religious at the time, so it gave me more of a prayer life. You know, you're like, I need help. <laughs> like, I'm lost. Yeah. There are all these great stories. Um, but when you were at Wesleyan, tell me a little bit about the feeling in the air. What drew you to a talk from Richard Alpert? Was it free love? Was it drugs? Was it spirituality? Like, what led up to hmm. – what, what, what is your given name you're born – I know all names James Lytton. So here you are, you're James. Jim. Jim. Old J Jimmy. <laughs> I'm going to call you Jimmy. Little Jim, or regular size Jim, whatever Jim you want to be. Why are you going? Had you met some groovy girls? Had you taken LSD before? Like, why are you going to this talk? Yeah, backing up slowly, I had taken some psychedelics in the uh, years just before that. Yeah. And... Um, I, how did, I that, think how I would, did that happen? I'm sorry. Well, I think I had been using them uh, in the ways that uh, Ramdas had to some degree. I mean, it was I was really going inside and looking for myself somewhere. And, so it wasn't uh, just a way to enjoy the no, band No, it wasn't tool. just party time. <laughs> where, where did that come from? Were you raised religious or did you have some sort of – no, uh, my my family was pretty agnostic, and um, I did have some kind of uh, inner pull that was happening. And I, and I remember when I was like uh, sixteen, I was sitting in the dunes by the ocean and doing some kind of heavy breathing. I don't know that I'd call it pranayama, but it was something. And um, the horizon opened up. It was one of those sort of global perceptual things that just happened instantaneously. And suddenly I'm, you know, in the middle of the universe instead of the universe being centered on me. Whoa. You mean you experienced that visually? Visually and consciously in some way. I don't know how to describe it. And so there, little Jim yeah. <laughs> on the dunes. <laughs> Freestyling a practice. Nobody told you what pranayama was. No, you didn't just even get... know the word yoga at that point, probably. So you just, oh my God, this is good. I, I used to sit in my closet with a candle. I didn't know what meditation was. I was like, yeah. I've, I've seen movies where there's like yogi type people. Nothing would happen though, because I was, I, was, I was very in my head going like something's supposed to happen. So yeah. you went into your body, which is smart. Well, you got I was probably pretty in my head too, but... Um, you know, there, that um, a time in my life, there was a lot of, um, you know, I, I had no idea who I was. I, I did know that my uh, um, upbringing in Westchester outside of New York in the burbs was uh, not what I wanted. Mm. And um, it was before I had really left the nest and uh, gone off to... Um, 
college and Wesleyan and where I met Ramdas, but uh, that uh, time in my life, I mean, it was really, there was a lot of anxiety and, you know, not knowing what the hell was going on. And uh, sure. I still don't, but it's... Uh, <laughs> I, I Tell me more about, about it an uncertain... Okay, good. <laughs> Tell me about it. I, I think about this time a little bit like the 60s, 70s, early 70s, where I'm like, there is a... Again, I'm going to quote Jesus again, but blessed are the poor in spirit. So it's like if you have nothing to hold on to, yeah. there's, that's one way to interpret that. Meaning you could be drafted. Um, the Yeah, I'm not going to drafted. tell you all. Drafted? Yeah. I mean, after I got out of – I, and as yeah. soon as I graduated I, – And then what? Uh, well, I admit – you know, list here, but and um, so I was I also. I, I really knew I wasn't going to Vietnam uh, unless you know, completely unavoidable. Yeah. And um, so I, I cultivated, uh, you know, like various um, shrinks, and um, I had a letter from my back doctor that my, you know. I had some not good and sure you know, like that. I just want to say my mom sent us to Quaker school mm-hmm. specifically so they could say he's a pacifist. He goes, oh. won't fight. No, my that, brother did that. Is that right? I mean, this was, there was no draft, but my mom had lived through that and she was like, there's no way anymore. That's why I went to a very, in Cambridge, a very hippy dippy. Oh, uh, yeah? Quaker school. I wonder yeah, if that's yeah. the one my wife went to. She went to one called uh, Shady Hill. I know of Shady Hill. Friends School in Cambridge. Uh, I went. Uh, Mom taught there, along with uh, the wife of Ramdas' uh, professor, Brother McClelland, his wife, Mary McClelland. Uh, no way. This is a big character. An art the book. teacher there. Yeah. That is crazy. That was not my art teacher. They were Lori and Leslie. Yeah, no, <laughs> she was four your time, I'm sure. Of course, of course. Yeah. Of course. But, but I just I'll, wanted to I'll give Lori and Leslie. I'll show you one of her paintings before we get off, though. Yeah. Fun. Okay, we are jumping all around. Amazing. So anyway, I'm, I'm at the draft board. I get called up after I, as soon as I graduate. My number was up. It was a lottery, and I had, you know, uh, a number that got called pretty quickly. Mm. And um, I'm in the line for the physical uh, in my underwear all day. You know, wow. you stand in line. And the shrink is the last person you get. The only thing I have besides my wearing uh, my mm. long beard, mala, stare, and praying hard <laughs> all day. <laughs> and I finally get to the shrink. And I, I have these letters, uh, including a great one from a... Um, a guy out in East Hampton here, which um, said if I was inducted into the military, I would uh, lapse into a psychopathic state and cost them my money in rehabilitation. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> that was good. That's good. That's good creative writing. <laughs> Not that we, we can't know, but I mean, that's good. <laughs> and I, I get to this guy who was the, the shrink, and he was obviously like, like a... Uh, you know, an intern or a medical student who was doing his alternative service as a draft board. Yeah. 
wow. ring for the draft board. So you kind of have that in common. You're like, you know my situation. You're doing I mean, it was practically out of my body. From, from doing mantra all day. Wow. For people that don't know Mala or beads, they're like prayer beads. Yeah, it's and, prayer beads. Like a ring. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're ramming your bum off. Yeah. And uh, he looks at the letters and um, I see that he writes uh, one Y on my form, which was uh, the um, what comes just before uh, a 4F, which is completely un. You go out and children. Right. And what's one Y? One is Y is like the temporary 4F. You're not okay. qualified. This this guy is not draft board material. <laughs> and because you were in a deep meditative state, basically, like you just sort of... I don't know. You know, it was a combination of whatever it was, Maharaji's grace, the blessings of Ram. Um, wow. But, um, so or I went, m- I went to India just, instead of Vietnam. <laughs> maybe just on a very basic level, you might have looked to this guy. You might have looked nuts. Yeah. I'm I mean, sure I did. I mean, I was completely out there. I can't believe I, I, I got the old Rolling Stone that Ram Dass is in, and I'm reading about it. And one of the things that really strikes me from that time, it was so long ago, but all of the language and all of the outfits and all of the accoutrement of spirituality were there. Everyone's doing yeah. pranayama. Everybody has malas. Everybody knows the chants. And I'm like, before the Internet, the fact that this stuff is spreading like that is incredible. I know it was in Be Here Now, like some explanations on how to do things, but the fact that it caught fire and spread yeah. like that, yeah. you would have think it would be people in blue jeans being like, let's see what this is about. But by that point, it was already a thing like it is now. It was very powerful. I mean, I went, I, after, uh, well, let's keep going, Wesleyan. Um, so <laughs> um, I, I hear that uh, Richard Alpert, is coming to give a talk at Wesleyan. And I've been experimenting on my own. Uh, I had a freshman seminar in uh, that was called uh, Freedom in Ancient China and India hmm. that was Buddhism and Taoism. Hmm. And I loved it. I was into it. Um, so uh, that was sort of a contributing piece that's and then huge. I go to hear, uh, you know, Professor Alpert, and this guy walks in, and this is in March in Connecticut, you know, in frozen mud, <laughs> and he walks in barefoot in a white sheet with a long <laughs> beard, and he does <laughs> not look like a Harvard professor. Wow. And uh, he started talking, and, I, you know, I was there for uh, um, the uh, wonders of modern chemistry, and um, you mean specifically drugs? Yeah. No, I wanted to hear what he because what he was known for was his association with uh, psychedelics and Tim Leary and their work at Harvard and Millbrook and all of that. And that was still fresh. It was still, you know, happening, really. Mm. Um, and I think it was even before uh, um, LSD was uh, um, made illegal. It was mm. right around that time anyway. But um he starts talking about his experience in India 
and uh, you know his transformation of consciousness through psychedelics and then meeting Maharaji. And when he started talking about Maharaji, something shifted in me, and I, I can't entirely describe this, but it was subtle, and it was more like uh, one of these changes in uh, point of view. Mm. Again, like that experience I'd had sitting uh, by the ocean where you shift from feeling like you're the center of the universe to being a grain of sand on the beach. That's such a beautiful way to put that. Well, it's. I think that's the reality of probably where we are. Yeah, yeah no, that is the reality. I think everybody, I mean, I think science, everything would agree. We have the perception yeah. that the world is happening to us and for us and around us when really we are we are the world to quote the 80s song but we are the world so that happens again not with breathing but from listening and, yeah and and ramdas spoke from i think 7 or 7:30 in the evening until 3 in the morning wow that was the all nighter kind of wow. and then the next morning uh i i knew the people that he was staying with cuz they had been students of his uh, later, I find out that he had done his master's degree in psychology at Wesleyan, where I was. Mm. And that was how he came back there, because some of his students, who he had been a you know graduate teaching assistant for, uh, were by then teaching psychology at Wesleyan, and they invited him to come. And uh, he stayed over with them. And the next morning, uh, I, w- I went over to talk to him, because I wanted more of that. <laughs> I love one of my favorite Ramdas stories is he would guide people through LSD trips and then have this like complete merging. I, I, obviously yeah. not sexual, like a spiritual yeah. merging. And he said, it was a great line. He goes, the problem was they'd be like, what are you doing next Saturday? <laughs> like, and he'd, he'd be going around. He'd have basically, again, not physical lovers, but lovers, like spiritual people that had been touched in their heart by the mystery and from their perspective through him you know they yeah. they hadn't found the cat food under the sink to use another Ramdas story so he was their connection mm-hmm. and then he was like I can't see all these people it's in the Rolling Stone article too I can't oh. answer all this mail like yeah. this mail would come in and it says in the article in Rolling Stone he's like he considers Sending out a, a, mono, a monolith, a, a Xerox, I guess, yeah, of, yeah. A, of a note that Immigraph. says, "Please just, <laughs> please just send one letter every couple months." I can't, I can't keep up. But I mean, this is part of Ramdas's story. When you're the f- tip of the spear in the West, every, I mean, we were still doing it at the retreat. You want to go talk to him? You want to go yeah. sit with him? You want, you want some sort of contact from a guy who keeps going around saying. It's in you. It's here. It's it's with us. But like the other yeah, contradiction I mean, is he uh, he used that description of himself as the uh, you know you have to be of a certain age to get this one, but the Charlie McCarthy doll, you know the ventriloquist dummy. Yeah, and that and that was what happened to me when I got to India two two and a half years later. I felt the same thing I had felt that night when I met Maharaji. It was so clear that Maharaji had just come through him. And right. I'm not even sure he was aware of uh, um, doing that. And, you know, even though uh, Maharaji said, uh, don't talk about me in the West, that was all he talked about. 
Right. I've heard Ramdas talk about that too. Sort of like leaving and coming back. He's like, he knew I was going to talk about him because he's all I talked about. Like, what else was I going to talk about? This is this was my predicament. My first retreats was I was like, shit, I missed the guy. Um, but I, it's in the book, and he he does the talks a lot where it's like mistaking the form for the formless thing that's actually embodied in the form. Yeah. Uh, does that make sense? I know it makes sense to you. I'm trying to make sure it makes sense to everybody that it's not this old man on a blanket. It's something, it's something else that is available to you, to me, to everyone listening. There's a, there's a, you can visit with this, this, that's what I'm saying happened with the book. that that is a, that's what the guru is the guru is not you know like a somebody outside you yeah. you you are the guru in some very direct uh sense and when you encounter that in yourself it's the same thing as you know meeting a saint or a, a saint is just a reflection of that place in you right and that's I mean, we do run into that, though. I guess you could call it spiritual materialism, I guess, is that that I I don't feel it anymore. But I'm a a lucky one. Now I'm lucky because the people at the next retreat will say, you you sat with Ramdas, right? (laughs) And I, we were still in this sort of cycle. Like, you can't really blame us because what I'm saying, I recognize the feeling I had reading your book this morning. Because I had sat with Ramdas and it was that feeling. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that is a nice touchstone for me. But I think there takes some faith in going, the feeling, Jim, are, are we together? Yeah. You hear me? Mm-hmm. The feeling, Jim, we just froze for a second. Yes. The feeling Jim had on the dunes is the same as Jim had with Ramdas, is the same as Ramesh had with Maharaji. What I'm, what I'm very fascinated with is, is not putting God in pretty boxes. And like, I worry about worshiping the pretty boxes. And I love talking to people like you because the bioavailability of the mystery when I talk to people like you is closer than your next breath, right? I mean, could you talk a little bit about that? Or or, or maybe you could pick up from when you went and saw Ramdas, but it's also just an interesting concept. People listening won't meet Ramdas, won't meet Maharaji, but it's, it's, it's what we're... Yeah, looking can, at each they other. They can look in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So you go to see Ramdas. How how does he feel about this uh, student coming to get another hit? He was very uh, open. I mean, that was I think just the place that he he was in coming back from India and. Uh, um, of course, thereafter. But um, he was just kind of sharing his heart. And I, I think that, um, you know, he said that he um, was taken in at first by Maharaji's um, uh, psychic powers, that thing where Maharaji told him about his mother that was impossible for him to know and read his mind and... Uh, all of that, but um, what he was putting out was love. And that was what Maharaji had really done to him. And I think he realized that, you know, as time went by. And I hope that's sort of the 
evolution that people see in the in the book. I mean, you know, it it is the the arc of his uh, incarnation uh, in, in a lot of ways, and I think it's that you know. Um, what he um, called from uh, ego to soul, from uh, being a separate individual to being that place that we share inside. Mm. I think people would do, it would be a great disservice if they gave up on the book just reading the first part. I love the first part. I love LSD stories. Mm -hmm. I love... Ramdas is basically canceled to use modern uh, language. He he gave drugs to undergrads and he was finished. Now, uh, now he's kicked out of academia. But and not just academia, Harvard. And not just <laughs> someone kicked out of academia at Harvard. A, a a Jewish achiever from a family of achievers who's also uh bisexual who already has feelings of shame and he's trying I, I see him and I relate clawing to get into the golden city yeah and he's in and then he's kicked out and I, to quote Jesus again to find your life you have to lose it he died before he died yeah and when I'm suffering and a part of me is dying it's very hard for me to remember everyone seems to think this is where the juice is. Like you die, you're shattered. And as Ramdas would say, what is, what remains, what is yeah. still there? You've lost all of your roles, all of your identity, all of your prestige, all of your power, all of your money. But what I loved in the book is that he's walking out of, he's walking across Harvard yard, having been fired and he felt happy. He felt liberated, liberated. might, yeah, might exactly. be a better word. Yeah. He, that, he felt like he had been, uh, freed. I mean, I can you relate to that? I can relate to. I've had things that I want very much taken mm -hmm. away. I'm thinking of something silly. My show, my TV show, was canceled, and there is a liberating a, a void fills up inside of you. Yeah, and you go, I can go in any direction. Like you wanted more than anything to keep going, mm -hmm. and you don't know how to explain it to people. But you're like, I was walking out of Harvard Yard, going like. Oh boy, I didn't realize how much psychic energy it was taking to be a guy on TV and to be a guy making a TV show and all all of the all of the burden of of yeah, you know what I mean by burden on that way. Yeah. Yes, the role. Yeah. Maybe not a burden, but the role. And then you go, "Wait a minute, I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still here." And then who am I as you're saying? Who am yeah. I? Who's still here? So, uh comment on that or or I could nudge you into the story again. Well, that, I think, you know, so much of what uh, Ramdas brought to the table through his, uh, his training in psychology and the psychedelic work and then what he learned of yoga and meditation in India was uh, deeply about identity. And that was where he started out and struggled with his own identity, you know, even as an adolescent, so excruciatingly. Mm. And I think, uh, you know, what he he came to with that uh, of um, this kind of um, finding it through um, first understanding that the stuff that he thought it was about was not what it was about. 
that you know what he kept saying at the retreats you're not who you think you are mm-hmm. it's not your thoughts and mm-hmm. we all identify with our thoughts so completely most of the time i still do <laughs> and at b2 and, and our roles right yeah I, I, going back to a tv roles show there's and souls yeah we want to be souls and, and we get stuck on our roles but one of the interesting things that I think happened to R.D. at Harvard was you realize there, it's just another bunch of people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's not my experience was you get into the rarefied air of, of show business and you go like, wait. And I'm not thinking about anybody in particular. I'm just saying, like, it's just a bunch of people. <laughs> yeah. And, and then we go around playing a different game going like. And we in, in show business, it's even more clear. You go, I'm the producer. I'm the executive producer. I'm the consulting producer. I'm the line producer. Like, <laughs> it's the most clear. And then, Ramesh, seriously, when people start kissing your butt because you're the – they call it top of the call sheet. You're number one on the call sheet. So the call yeah. sheet is is the literally printed every morning the list of the most important people. And I was number one on the call sheet. And Ramdas was number one on the call sheet. And then he was canceled and he was thrown out and destroyed, sledgehammered. And listen to this joy. That's when his life began. Yeah. I mean, not to throw all that time away, but that's, I'm telling you in the book, that's when the juice starts coming through the book. It's, the stories are great. But then you're like, oh, now we're in the real, the capital R real. We're getting into the, the real real. Yeah. Not just people who know, but people who ha- know how to point you into the part of you that knows. You know, at the, toward the end of the book, we did this sort of, uh, it was really a fantasy, uh, imagining being with Maharaji in that um, time between births, before mm-hmm. he took incarnation as Richard Alpert. And looking at that incarnation and what it, how it was going to work through his karma about power and love, say. Mm-hmm. And that, um, you know, okay, he's going to be um, working through this uh, stuff with his family and that constellation of his mother and father and his brothers, older brothers, and uh, all of that achievement stuff. And uh, then... Um, He'll get there and, as you say, get um, pushed out of the nest, and then Maharaji shows up and kind of and takes over the incarnation. Right. And and then he forgets it all. He's you know born as Richard Alpert, as baby wow. Richard. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny that you say that because one of the ways that you told this story, meeting Maharaji in the book, really brought it up to me that. It shines a light on like Maharaji's going out of his way to get Ramdas in front of him. So we have the classic story, and, and yeah. believe it or not, people who listen to this podcast know this story, which is a, a beautiful thing mm-hmm. in itself. But like he, so Maharaji's known as a guy to say, Jow, get out of here, as we already touched on. But when you read the first meeting, first he's in the Land Rover, and the locals are saying, What are you doing? Get up there. Yeah. That's. That gives me the chills. Mm. He almost didn't do it. I know. <laughs> and I'm... Well, he thought he like almost that. didn't do it. 
right. Yeah, he thought he almost didn't do it. He was going to do it. The fix was in, I think. The fix, but that's what I'm saying. The fix yeah. was in. Yeah. So I am, this is one of the reasons why he's my homeboy. I relate so hard to I can't leave the, the Land Rover. Mm-hmm. I'm the guy that goes, they're going to trash it. They're going to steal it. I don't know where we are. I don't know where my next meal is. What if I have to use the bathroom? You got a little bit of neuroses going on. And so does he. But the locals are like, go up the mountain. Forget the fact that Bhagwan Das was already a devotee of Maharaji. And they met. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. Now he's still resisting. They're in a Land Rover at the base of the mountain. He doesn't want to go. The locals are saying, get up there. He does. And then, so King of the Go, Go, Go is saying, come, 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 in that moment. It's mm-hmm. very atypical of, of the guy that I read about that's like, well, you guys can't stay in the temple. I'll only see you yeah, once or twice a day. Yeah, he thought he was a Buddhist and he hated all this Hindu stuff, which he thought was, you know, just over the top, uh, you know, kind of... Um, you know, completely gauche and um, visually crazed and and neon. There's noisy. something in the book about yeah. neon and and there's so many gods and they have yeah. swords and like penises and <laughs> it's it's. I mean, I couldn't relate more to that. I I find it very odd that there's a Hanuman in my bathroom and how did I get here? Because <laughs> I have the same New England snob that they look like playing cards for a game that doesn't look polite to play. Yeah. So then he goes up and he's like, get over here. And, and he knows him and he accepts him. And in that moment in the story, Ramesh, I'm like, Maharaji knew his, his life, his past, his future, his other incarnations, which means he knew you in that moment. He already knew you. Isn't that yeah. wild? Yeah. It really touched my heart to be like, he knew me. He knew it, so it's not a story about Ramdas, it's about the all loving, eternal, unborn being temporarily manifested in this body yeah. that Ramdas sat in front of, and he knew your face, he knew your story, Ramesh, he knew my story, he knew the people that would read this book, he knew the people that would come, he knew it all. And I'm like, whoa, I'm in the hot tub too. I'm in the hot tub too. Yeah, very We're all evolving into that, whether we know it or not. Thank you. But what... <laughs> What? Thank you what for putting that it is, that way. I couldn't tell you. Oh, I don't even care. <laughs> but what fun! You, meaning it is. Yeah. For me, and you'd think reading a story called "Being Ramdas" would make it more personalized to Richard Alpert, and it's and it's having the mm-hmm. opposite effect on me. I'm like, this guy didn't earn it. He didn't want it necessarily. Like he didn't yeah. want that. He resisted it. And just like he resisted being fired from Harvard, he resisted being gay, he resisted all of the... He, he's kicking and screaming. That's how you come to truth. It, it is not, to quote Richard Rohr, the great Franciscan, who I keep trying mm. to get to come to the retreats because I think he'd yeah, be a great he addition. wonderful. He's amazing. I've, I've heard because him speak. But. He's incredible. Yeah. He says, you don't come to God by doing it right, you come to God by doing it wrong. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's, that's it. And I Take see Ram Dass... Uh, Go ahead. You've met our friend KK, who was his translator when he met Maharaji. I never met KK, no. Um, well, he did come to uh, over a number of times. And he was so 
uh, he he really loved Ramdas and and Maharaji had assigned him to uh, take care of Ramdas. Mm. So anyway, his description of Ramdas when he meets Maharaji, he he said Ramdas was standing in the back. He didn't want anything to do with the scene. He's like, uh, you know, everybody is sitting beneath Maharaji and Ramdas is sort of standing in the back with his hands in the pockets of his jeans looking totally <laughs> uptight. <laughs> I couldn't relate more. <laughs> <laughs> That's what a comedian is, by the way. A comedian doesn't want to be in the thing. It wants yeah. to be on the uh, satellite and the thing so it can make jokes about the thing that's yeah. why I, i'm so moved by this mm -hmm. that it's for you too hey you with the sourpuss <laughs> get over i'm gonna here. <laughs> i'm gonna in fact i'm gonna break you first you know what i'm saying yeah <laughs> so oh. let, i want to get to you uh <laughs> I, I i i love whatever we talk about but you go up to him he's loving this is leading to you coming to India. Mm -hmm. We're talking about Ramdas's parents. I'm curious what your parents think of you at this point, sitting on the dunes and tasting the <laughs> eternal oneness. And My father wanted me to go to law school, and I went to India instead. <laughs> it was not an easy uh, you, you know, time, but it, it was interesting because they, they actually were, um, I think once they got wind that I was really... Uh, experiencing something that was meaningful to me, they were pretty supportive. My mother was, particularly. And my wow. father really came to terms with it. And um, when Maharaji kicked me out of India, um, at the end, I, I think, I guess I went on a three-month tourist visa, and uh, after a year and a half, I got what's called a quit India notice from the government. <laughs> you got to quit. You better leave or you're never coming back. <laughs> wow, that's hardcore. But you so had uh, quadrupled your your stay at that point. Oh yeah, we did, yeah. and other people like Krishna and us kept going after that too. Oh but, wow! Um, so I, when I left India, it turned out my parents had planned this trip to Japan. Just my, they loved to travel. My mother did anyway, and so my dad used to do whatever she wanted. <laughs> <laughs> and schlep along. Yeah. Good man. So um, I met them in Japan on my way back. Uh, I went across the Pacific. And uh, I hadn't seen them for a year and a half. And my father and I had had really a tough time during, you know, when I was in college and he had served in the, uh, the Navy at the end of World War II. And, you know, it was... My beating the draft was not really what he thought was a good thing to do, but mm. you know there was no way I was going. <laughs> but uh, so we really had been at loggerheads, and uh, we had this kind of two-week um, um, bus tour through Japan and going to all these Buddhist temples and you know uh, the Zen gardens and. That's what your mom wanted to do. Well, it was a, a, a tour. It's just what you do. Yeah. We it's what on, there is we, to we do. We were on a, a, a tour. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, it was, it was, there were beautiful places and great gardens and giant Buddhas and things like that. And we were just hanging out. 
And I was, you know, I was still in some sort of uh, uh, a glow from being with Maharaji for that time. Mm. And um, we just came back to the place that we loved each other. And it was, it. it really, I felt like my, uh, all that um, strife between us was cleaned up. And we came back to the States together, and that was in uh, the uh, late spring of 72, and the next uh, November he died of his third heart attack. Your dad? He did, yeah. Oh, wow. And that was such grace that I got to release that stuff with him. I mean, that that I really considered a blessing from Maharaji. And that his cosmic timing was always like that. Wow. <laughs> See, I'm struck by that, Ramesh. It's like, love is attractive. You know what I mean? I see rel- religious people. Uh, yeah. I, I don't mm-hmm. want to point a finger. And it gets ugly, though. I've been that person trying to convert someone to my religion. Mm-hmm. And it's pinched, and it's hard-assed, and it's <laughs> hard-nosed. Everything is hard. It's very it's tough a- being righteous. Right. <laughs> But like when you, I I think of, it's almost like you've been pollinated, like a flower, like you've been dusted with pollen from a flower. And it's undeniable. That was our metaphor for Maharaji, was bees to the honey. Is that right? (laughs) I And and I've heard um, Larry Brilliant say the miracle wasn't that he loved everybody, it's when you sat with him, you loved everybody. Yeah, yeah. That's a wonderful line from Larry. it's a transmission. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, and I know you know this, but you're with your folks. You dodged the draft in your father's eyes. He's in the Navy. They were agnostic. All of this stuff. But love is beautiful, right? Yeah. But we lose it. We lose it. I'm sorry to get all worked up, but we lose it. And we start debating what do we call God? What does God want? Which book is right? Which book is wrong? What do we do? How do we hold our hands? Or, or maybe it's nonsense. But when somebody is in love, in the yeah. space of love, it's attractive. What, what I'm saying is when I was growing up under the evangelical banner, mm. one of the worst things you could say is, could I tell you about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Because for me, I'm sure mm. there's lots of people that can say that beautifully. If I wanted to ruin a road trip, I could say that because I wasn't, I wasn't there. My heart, I hadn't been truly converted. I wasn't a light filled, loving person. I was just going, Hey, hell is going to get you. So would you like to think these thoughts that will protect you? Because then I'll feel better about me because I can go, at least I told them about that. Uh, But it's guilt and it's shame and it's fear. But when somebody, you couldn't have two characters more disparate. I, I'm sure you could, but you have a Navy guy and a, and a hippie. But beauty, love is beautiful. And when it's real, it's undeniable, right? It's like a flower. It's like a bee to a flower. So that's right. what I hear happening yeah. in that story. And you have a kid now, and you know what that bond is. And that's the Look, reality. That is that is such an experience to have uh, – a child, uh, a baby come in because it's such uh, a pure statement of that love. That, okay, so I always say it wrong. 
Parvati? No, that's the cheese. Parvati. Parvati, yeah. Parvati. <laughs> Parvati, I mm. said I love hanging out with Leela because it's, we call her luminous emptiness, mm. especially when she was little. Mm. Uh, meaning she has – I'm delighting in it. She has more opinions. She has a personality. But when she was really little, that's when you met her. She's luminous emptiness. Yeah. And she said hanging out with Maharaji was like hanging out with a baby. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I get it. It's just – it's just yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. Of course you're leaving and coming back. That's what you would do with a baby. Like <laughs> that's that's baby logic because the baby is just right there. You know? Was that what it So when you got to India, let's find a fresh way to tell a story you've told a million times. You meet Maharaji. Did it feel like a baby? Was it was it like a like a was it that attractive flower that was rubbing off on you? Yeah, it was like but I mean, it, it had become uh, uh, so much more uh, sort of uh, idealized and you know uh, extensive through the contact with Ramdas. As a you know, you think of this as uh, this is also God. Hmm. Not, Maharaji. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we looked at him as. Some sort of a, a god being, and uh, he was real. It was not like you know, um, this this being sitting around in a blanket gossiping with people and uh, telling you to go have puris and potatoes. And uh, <laughs> still, still, the feeling around him was just this. Uh, um, total like being in a uh, a bubble of love and uh, you know i i think i uh, we we wrote about it in um um be love now there's this description of sitting around maharaji and it suddenly i mean he rarely stopped moving or was quiet. He was always gossiping and talking to people and throwing fruit at people and, you know, moving around. And at some point there was, there was a group of people around him and it just got quiet. Very rare. I mean, he never let people like meditate around him or anything. (laughs) You'd start to meditate and you'd get hit in the head with a banana or something. (laughs) And he had a good aim too. It sometimes was the testicles. (laughs) <laughs> well that's my Maharaji story that's the one that uh, Parvati used was my dog jumped up on the bed and hit me in the balls and I'm telling you in that moment it felt like Maharaji had thrown a banana at me I don't remember the full story but I was having some sort of trip and I was getting too serious and he came and he hit me in the balls that's my reality so it's true for me and and so I relate to that rascally sort of feeling, yeah. even after after the fact. P- please keep going. So, but this was a quiet moment, and uh, after a, a minute or two, I I I felt like I was being just bathed in love, and I felt more love than I had ever felt from my parents or from anyone. Mm. And at that point, I opened my eyes and I, I looked around, and I realized that everybody around him was feeling the same thing. Mm. And he just was like that. Uh, he was like a. Uh, he radiated it, and I think Ramdas started to do that toward the end of his life too. He, well, this, he wasn't talking very much, and he was mm-hmm. just radiating love. This is 
the it's words a state. It's a state. It's a place. It's a. Yeah. It's a. It's a way of being. Yeah. That's why he would say, "Be in love." You're, and mm-hmm. he would say, "Like a hot tub, you get in love." Yeah. And I say all the time, "I'm in love with my daughter." I don't. I stop saying it because people don't understand. I mean, like she brings me to the place where we both become love. Yeah. That's me letting her throw the book. And I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I'm like, I know I'm supposed to be the dad. And sometimes I have to be the dad and go, that's my book. That's wrong. Or you can just go like, what am I on about? I have to do a podcast. It's all on fire anyway. Like, she's right. Like, she's right. That's what I I, I get from that. Yeah. So hard. But when I wrote about sitting with Ramdas the first time um, on a private retreat, I think I said it was a space heater. You know, the space heaters, little cheap ones mm-hmm. that'll cause a fire that look like fans. Yeah. It was like a heat. And you said a bubble. I said I left feeling like I was wearing a snowsuit, but instead of like cotton, it was, it was packed with the feeling of love. And I felt it on my fingers and my toes. And it wasn't because he sat down and said and got to me how I usually get to myself through my brain and being like, it's all one. Let's let's do an act. I'll walk you through a unit of consciousness meditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, blah, blah. And, and there's people like Fred Davis and wonderful teachers that can do that. He wasn't doing that. He was an old man sitting on a chair. And for some reason, he and he always did this, Ramesh. I don't understand it because I did it twice on the last day. Somehow he'd do the big fireworks show. I don't understand. What is he doing? <laughs> what is he doing? I wasn't, I wasn't even going in going like, this is the big fireworks show. But both times I sat with him on the fourth or fifth day, whatever it is, mm. he would be quiet, just like you're saying. And, and we were usually quiet, but he would get quiet. And then the, the air would vibrate. That's, how I, that's the only way I can explain it. The air would become animated. I don't mean visually. I mean, you yeah, could yeah. feel it. And he would say, both times he said the same thing. He said, Maharaji is here. What do you do? What do you do when Maharaji? Well, the same thing you did before he was there. You just sort of sit there and, and enjoy it. But I, 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 I'm just trying to relate to what you're saying. It, it's, a, it's a feeling of warm, gooey, packed, nonverbal transmission that is so fun to say in this Western, modern, mm-hmm. uh, rational world that it was real. Like it happened to you it happened to me and it happened to me again reading your book this morning i mean fucking hey ramesh (laughs) this is the this i didn't do that i know but come on come on you wrote it you had to you had to i think it's what uh you know it's it is that transmission yeah and um i was reading that uh wonderful book about forests uh, uh, called The Overstory. It's the only fiction I've read all year because I haven't had time to read. (laughs) Mm. And uh, he talks about having darshan of a tree. Mm. And he, uh, I I don't have the quote exactly right, but it's it's like a uh, direct encounter with the divine. Mm. And that's, I think, what that love state is. Because, uh, you know, love is that connecting um, emotion. And, and it's not like necessarily there is all that relationship with, you know, of it being 
interpersonal or uh, physical or emotional, but it is also that takes you to that place of oneness. Right. And you're in a different place. Yeah. It's not about the tree. The tree was the vehicle that took you to this place yeah. where the separation was removed. Again, Richard Rohr has this, it's very funny, I think. Mm. He goes, people go around saying, I love Jesus. And he goes, try with a, start with a rock. Can you love a rock? Yeah. Like, he's actually, I learned later, he was retelling a rabbinical teaching. Someone says uh, to a rabbi, I can't love God. And he goes, start with a rock. Can you love a rock? Mm. And all that means is, can you allow a rock? Can you say yes to a rock? Give it space and, and trip out on the fact that you're basically creating the world where the rock exists in your inner world. Like you are the, the canvas, your internal reality, meaning you're building that. And then, so it's a very intimate thing. If you can see something, it's inside of you. It's very intimate. <laughs> it's, it, it, you've merged. And then when you allow that, not intellectually, but you allow it. And I feel like, that's sort of what psychedelics taught me mm-hmm. was I'm going to say something silly, but there's a video game I play. You're a cowboy and you go around the world. And if you're playing it uh, just to get through the game, I know this sounds a little silly. You realize you're just doing the things we do here. You go places, you talk to people and then you go somewhere else and then you go somewhere else and then you go somewhere else. But if you slow down and appreciate the game or in reality, you appreciate the drive to the thing. You realize it's not about what you're doing. It's about the state that you're maintaining or able to rest in no matter what you're doing. And that's loving a rock. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, as, as uh, I, I think you could compare that to the I am loving awareness meditation, which Ram Dass was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, giving over those last years. Yeah. And it is that just that understanding that you are a point of love and awareness. Yeah. And um, it, it there is both this quality of, uh, you know, that it allows you to surrender, uh, mm. to give up all of your, you know, roles and thoughts and all of the... Uh, Pete Holmes part of whatever this is you think this is. Oh, it's exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) Routine. And, uh, you know, uh, thinking that I wrote a book, which (laughs) is really an absurdity now. Um, And and it allows us to let go into that place of love. Yeah. And and then... uh, you know, as Maharaji kept saying, it's it's all one. Mm. Did psychedelics help you with that? Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, right. Sure. I but mean, the, the cliche is you that know, you it's, stare it's, at it. Uh, the unfortunate uh, piece of it is that you keep coming down. And that's right. what Ramdas experienced. And uh, uh, as they say, it's a problem. <laughs> it's a problem. <laughs> yeah, I when I would visit him, I never did. I don't I've never done anything like that. Uh but I was like, should I does he want LSD? <laughs> <laughs> Look, if I was an old man, you know, and and Ramdas was very frank about knowing that he was dying, that's his whole that's his whole thing. Is let's be honest, I'm dying. I know I'm dying. Mm-hmm. And it's like 
if I'm dying, I think it was Allen Ginsberg that was like, give me LSD as I'm dying. No, and it was they, Aldous Huxley anyway. Aldous Huxley, yeah. a different yeah. A. I went mm-hmm. to a different A. I understand that. I understand because one of the things that LSD can do is you sort of can vanish and then that takes away a lot of death anxiety. Yeah. Um, but it seemed to me that that was an absurdity. I was like, I don't think that's where he's at. I don't think he's like, let's, let's go on one more trip because it's a, it's a trip. It has a beginning, it has a middle and it has an end. And he, he seemed to be in the business of maintaining, but to get to your mm-hmm. thing, the first time you, you did it, do you remember? Um, No, I you know I kind of remember more the first time I smoked pot I think which I didn't that- do until I was in college because it, it was sort of outside of my uh, purview in high school still mm, mm. and um, it really uh, loosened me up in a way that uh, nothing else had and then psychedelics uh, the uh, I guess I took mescaline and LSD a number of times, and and that was the merging. Coming into oneness. Yeah, yeah that, and that was uh, – but it was such intense energy also for me. I mean I, I know other people have all kinds of different experiences. And, and um, it was also – uh, there was a quality of uh, – um, Kind of collecting experiences, mm-hmm. and uh, ultimately, I it it you know you you get round to the fact that it's about the experiencer, mm. <laughs> not the experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's what I say. People reach out to me and they go, "I don't understand. I took mushrooms, and all I saw was a purple cat, and it ran around the room. I don't understand." And I'm like. It's not what you see. It's that you see what you're seeing with. And yeah. and the manipulation of what you see shows you that something is seeing, or it can. Yeah. But it, but I, I, I'm with you. I, I, I think of Alan Watts. I think it's in the book. It is in the book. Once yeah. you get the message, hang up the phone. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember I had um, Alex Gray, the artist, on. He, he said, my phone keeps ringing. <laughs> and, and we laughed for a good long while. Um, yeah, it does. <laughs> but there is – what it is about trying to love a rock, the cliche, I think, of taking a psychedelic is that you could stare at a rock or the dirty corner of your room and be moved to tears. Yeah. And that is, to me, the touchstone – to try and achieve that, frankly, I'm, I, I peed on a bush. I didn't want to go in the, in the house because uh, Leela, you know, it confuses things. So I peed on the bush and I'm looking at the bush and I remember it's possible to get to a place where this bush, I could actually capital S, see this bush. Mm. And I, I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Do you have a similar feeling when, when you might be meditating or, or even talking to me right now? Don't forget that that reality is this reality. It's just that we're shutting off certain frequencies. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, uh, I think one of the th- things that uh, uh, I learned from psychedelics is is the way that uh, r- reality is such a uh, projection of our inner state. 
Mm. And that uh, has helped me um, release some of that, um, you know, anxiety about um, what it's supposed to be. Mm. There's a, I, there was a great line from Tim Leary uh, about, mm. uh, I think it was, uh, I'm, I'm tired of being should upon. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's yeah. why we're so tired all the time is well, because yeah. there's so many shoulds. Yeah. It's curious that way. I was thinking about hmm. the practice that Ram Dass, I'm, I'm pretty sure he did it with you, of stuffing stuff. You, you know, you, you, you stuffed me, meaning you tell me something you're ashamed of. Hmm. And he would practice just reflecting back unconditional love. And I'm like, that is something... I feel like anyone would sign up for. We do it in a small way with therapy, yep. but they try to rationalize, oh, that's not that bad. He didn't hurt anybody and this, that, or, or it's in the past. We need to move on. But just to have someone love you, I was like, it's an interesting thing that that, that level of extreme forgiveness seems more in need now than ever. I mean, yeah. we're, that was what he experienced from uh, Maharaji in that first meeting. Right. You know, when he... he Realized that Maharaji knew everything that was in his, everything about him, everything that was in his head, all of the shameful thoughts that he didn't want anybody to know, mm. Maharaji knew. And he looks up at Maharaji in this sort of feeling of trepidation and, you know, shame. And um, Maharaji's looking back at him with what Ramdas always described as unconditional love. Just loved him. Mm. And, that, you know, there w- it wasn't even forgiveness. It was just love. Mm. And it was mm. uh, acceptance, complete, you know, an utter acceptance of uh, everything he was. And, uh, you know, okay, so let's get on with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because there's another game. Not just what you're doing or what you're feeling, but there's another game of evolution, of enlightenment or realization or actualization or liberation. There's something else bigger at play than Ramesh was an asshole to me in 1973. Yeah. And, and when, you, when you're looking at somebody's life from that level, there is something to get on with. And it's more important than, than dwelling on you being an asshole in 1973. I find I, I find that very very comforting. It's refreshing in some way, <laughs> and even that is you know it's controversial again to bring up uh, Jesus. I just read this book where it illuminated me to the idea. You know, the idea is Jesus sat with the sinners and the tax collectors. Yeah, but I didn't know this. Tax collectors in in the Roman times were murderers. They weren't. It wasn't H and R Block. It wasn't the IRS. Oh, right. These. It was like it was- sitting with. It the, was the mob, yeah. It was the mob, yeah. So even that, the message of that, and again to quote Richie Richard Rohr, he says, "Faith is accepting that you are accepted. He, he mm. it, it'll take your whole life nice. to yeah. accept that you're accepted." That's and I was like, "We have Maharaji saying, I don't care that you were whatever you're hung up on. Different time periods, it would be a different thing, uh, you know." If it's cruising a park for uh, a, a hookup, mm-hmm. 
I think of ancient Greece, that wouldn't have been a big deal. Uh, <laughs> but in San Francisco and Ram Dass's time, with his shame, he probably felt bad about that. Um, and there's love. Or you're a murderer. Pretty much any time people would go, you're a murdering tax collector, that's bad. But we have these avatars of the divine, of living spirit, that go around breaking bread and throwing bananas at the balls of the good and the wicked alike. And it's us, Ramesh, now we're just preaching, it's us that can't accept it. We put up the block. We say that's too good to be true. We were uh, up in this... uh little place up in the uh, mountains. Uh, we were going to do this Buddhist retreat, and then the Buddhist teacher didn't come, so Ramdas ended up running it. Mm. Oh, it was, I know the story, yes. Yeah, about Kosani. And, uh, so, um, but Ramdas would work with people one-on-one, and you would sit with them and get to that looking into each other's eyes place of being at one, and he would say... Uh, if there's anything that you feel like you can't tell me, tell me. Hmm. And, um, you know, the depths of everyone's stuff came out. <laughs> and uh, You did this too? Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, it was kind of part of the, the ashram. It was hmm. his way of helping people. You could ask for an you know, an appointment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> With the therapist. And uh, then it turned out that there was someone in the room above. There was a <laughs> hole in the ceiling. And everybody's, uh, you know, innermost stuff was circulating all around. And, you know, the, 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 the stuff that, you know, we were all holding on to as such a personal... Uh, whatever, mm. you know, was just gossip. <laughs> <laughs> was that, that sounds like Ram Dass getting fired from Harvard. It had to be somewhat liberating. Once the shame was processed, yeah. you had to be like, well, you know, uh, you know, I, I had a love affair with a goat, but I know that, you, you know, like you have it. Well, so you could just swapping, you know, karma, I guess, but it was just, <laughs> it was just like a joke, you know. I think that's what we're all craving mm-hmm. in, in a weird, perverse way, is just be like, it would be so great. Don't take yourself so seriously. Yes. <laughs> but that's what comedy is. I mean, one of my favorite routines <laughs> is about going out on it. You make your bed and then you go on a date and you're hoping they come back. And there's nothing sadder than coming home and masturbating on your made bed. Yeah. And, and that <laughs> is shame. And the alchemy of taking something that you're supposed to be embarrassed by and going, let's all share our shit. <laughs> that feels like a great spiritual practice. I've, I've heard Ram Dass tell that story about not at that ashram, but doing yeah. that with people. Mm-hmm. And he would give funny examples. He'd, and they're usually sexual. There's such a hang up yeah. on, on sex being in a sexual animal or whatever, your body. Uh, and, and just so many people can't get over that, but knowing, well, it's in my book. I went on the three day or the five day retreat and the whole time I was so horny. I I was blind. Not, not when I was with him, but when I was back in that little guest house, all I wanted to do was masturbate. And, and I felt like I couldn't. And then Ramesh, I'm glad you're laughing. 
that became the, the great story. And that was another little Maharaji encounter with me yeah. was I was going, I came here to be holy. I came here to be good and really be groovy and be light and love. And all uh, the joke in the book is I just wanted to stream pornography over Ramdas's Wi-Fi. And I was like, the password was Maharaji for crying out loud. I can't, <laughs> I can't look at asses on Maharaji Wi-Fi. And that was the point is it was like I went on hikes. I might as well have taken a cold shower. I meditate. It wouldn't go away until, and I know you can feel this tone of this, until I said, I love, I love this too. I yeah. love this too. I accept this too. And that was a Maharaji visit for me. And, and, and the point, I feel like we're, it's a danger to make the point that I didn't masturbate or I didn't need to masturbate, that the desire went away. It was something better had replaced it. To yeah. quote Ramdas, the he goes, desire doesn't go away. Well, that's right. Of course not. <laughs> but he goes, when you're pummeling off a cliff, if you're driving in a car and you fly off a cliff, chances are you aren't horny. And that's his, that's his example. Right. That's what it is. It's not that I willpower pushed away the horniness. It's that something better showed up, basically flying off a cliff. That's what Maharaji's love, or that's what real love can feel like. It's, it, it, it's not about being a good boy and not masturbating. It's a, something better showed up, something more like what your parents felt mm -hmm. coming off of you, something better than Ramesh being in the Navy showed up. I think, you know, that's uh, somewhat that um, witnessing place that Ramdas talked about. It's the place you see yourself from mm. inside. And, and that being able to uh, love your own stuff, which is always the hardest piece of it, mm. to love yourself. I mean, you can love somebody else and you can love God and, you know, love your child but loving yourself is really yeah. hard work sometimes that goes it's us that blocks it we block it <laughs> i was blocking it the love was there yeah but i was going yeah but you're horny and then i and then i was out and then i was out and i and i see that in the story too ramdas is going but i'm but i have sexuality or i have this or i I'm not pure or I'm angry. I love the stories of Ramdas getting angry, especially when he was a holy man, you yeah. know, dressed in the in the in the garb and he'd be mad that the wrong mic stand was at the event. Those stories are gold to me. I, I don't need perfect Ramdas. I, I I like a good human uh Ramdas who knows he's loved. Well, I think this uh, collision of the uh the physical and the spiritual and the uh, emotional and the, I sometimes think of it as uh, what is the the words are like the imminent and the transcendent. <laughs> That's how it felt. Imminent. It was very yeah. imminent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. those are two different words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> impotent, impotent, and the transcendent. No. Imminent and imminent. <laughs> Slightly different, <laughs> but anyway, uh, it, 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 I, I think that his ability to put together his experience in a way that you know we can, and using his own 
life that way. And he did stand up com- comedy at one point. And then he, I did, I he gave it up. That. that was funny, I think. When that, I read that, I was like, Leary oh. criticized him for doing it. I know. There's always that's the hardest thing about becoming a comedian is there's going to be somebody that says, "Who are you to be a comedian?" That's yeah. it's one of the hardest things. You think you're funny? I'm funny. I really related to that. And in the same neighborhood, West Village, where I was doing comedy. Wow. Crazy, crazy mm-hmm. coincidence. Um, what what was your stuff? What were you healed from? What 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 did you need liberation from? Mm. Or still, well, need. I'm still working on a lot of it, but <laughs> I, I, you know, curiously, I think uh, I I realized that before I went to India, I was uh, um, probably had some elements of uh, uh, manic depression, mm. you know, going up and down, and uh, I was uh, I remember uh, not too long after my I learned to drive. Um, you know, wanting to see how fast I could go and still stay on the road. Wow. That's like that. <laughs> a great embodiment of what it's like to be manic. Yeah. That's, that's what a manic brain can feel like. I, I, I know. It's like you want to floor it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think Ram Dass probably did some of that. That's interesting when he was like, you know, uh, flying an ultralight and stuff like that where it's out over the ocean. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Uh, there was that, and I think that in some way uh, Maharaji took that away because I didn't have that um, those deep dips mm. um, after uh, India, at least mm. not so much. Anyway, I mean, there it's not uh, all uh, a bed of roses, as they say. Mm. Mm-hmm. But um, that was one thing, and I think the uh, um, this sort of um, quality of um, trying too hard mm-hmm. was one of the things that uh, I was caught up in, probably. Get that. That sounds kind of similar to being manic is if you get very focused on the thing and you want to do yeah. it right and you want to yeah. you want to win it <laughs> yeah is that i think your phone is ringing just uh, just to yeah. anybody listening that's not your that's maybe not. it is your phone it is <laughs> but it could be their phone too who knows <laughs> what was it let's talk a little bit about here's a weird question but i i, I don't think you've gotten this one before when I the times the second time I went to be with Ramdas, we would have dinner together. You know, me and the caretakers and and Dasi and, yeah. and visitors. You know what it was like. It was a little bit like I imagined the sixties, seventies to be people floating in, artists mm-hmm. and fascinating people. And when I was alone with RD or, or or we were just sitting at the dinner table, I was like, "What do you talk? What do you talk to Ramdas about?" I know he watched. Stephen Colbert, uh, you know, occasionally. Um, but I, I would see other people straining, too. Like, how do you... It could have been our projection of him. Oh, here's Ramdas, And what do I... I want to say something cool or impressive. And he just seemed pretty equanimous to just eat or have a lot of equanimity, I mean, to eat and, and be. So he, you wrote many books with him. 
What is it? Three books. That's many. I'll give that many. Two is a couple. Three is is many. What what was it like? Could you get to that space where you'd just be shooting the shit uh, again, or, or or laughing, or joking, or or talking about other interests? It can't be all be here now all the time, or or was it? Um. Well, I mean, one of the things uh, I I kind of pushed him into doing this book, mm. and he didn't really want to do it. Um, mm. At least when we started out, um, and um, partly it was that you know, being here now is not looking at your past, mm. and you know, slicing and dicing it. Which did you consider the title be then now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I considered a bunch of titles. This one was not the uh, one that I liked the best. But what was the one you liked the best? Um, well, we had uh, Ramdas and Incarnation was one of the uh, front runners for a while. That's fun. He liked that. Um, what was your fave? Um, I can't tell you because I still want to use it sometime. <laughs> oh, okay, that's fine. I like that. I respect that. <laughs> so you pulled pulled this out of him a, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we we agreed to uh, kind of look at his life as if it was we were looking through Maharaji's eyes, and th- and that was the uh, the our attempted frame for it, mm. and I think it was. Uh, helpful to him in the sense that he was um, bringing up especially you know karmic stuff that uh, you know like from his childhood that had been difficult that he hadn't really talked about that much mm-hmm. and uh, there's a fair amount of that and there was a lot more that didn't make it into the book because it was just too much but too um, much emotionally or too much content no content just mm-hmm. it, the manuscript started out at uh a hundred and eighty-seven thousand words, which is wow. a lot of pages, and wow. it's down to about one hundred and thirty-five now, or one hundred and thirty something. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a lot of help getting it down to that level. <laughs> good, good, I <laughs> hope so. But you know, in the course of that, we just uh, went back and forth talking about things, and we would take you know, like episodes of. Uh, when he met Maharaji or when he gave the LSD to Maharaji. And we uh, really looked at what was trying to see what was going on for him at that, uh, those junctures. Mm. And I th- I think there's sort of more uh, detail from his experiential side in that. But it, it was also um, some of the childhood stuff. He was able to look at what it was like with his mother and uh, mm. kind of um, forgive and let go mm-hmm. some of that, which some of it, which was kind of rugged. Well, it made it more loaded when Maharaji says your mother is a great saint. Yeah. Because I, I, I would say this, if my mom was right here, I said, my mom is a bit of an over loving mother. She's not Jewish, but she's sort of from that style. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and by the way, you're talking about Maharaji's grace helping you through your parents. Um, it's all the same grace, I'm sure, but uh, Byron Katie, who's done some of the yeah, retreats. I've, I've met her. She's great. 
she was wonderful doing the work on my parents. It's it's one of the greatest treasures of my life. If anybody wow. listening, uh, it's called Loving What Is is the book. Mm-hmm. I read 50 pages of it and I did the work on my parents and I was like, wait a minute. You talk about reality being a projection. Yeah. And I and I snapped out of it and now I can't believe I'm telling you that my me and my parents it's like a completely different relationship because mm-hmm. I changed. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um what were we, oh, I, I was going to say, you're talking about these stories, telling them from Maharaji's experience. Can I get a comment on, like, this is what really stood out to me. We're taking LSD and flying planes. We're taking LSD and driving cars. We're taking LSD at funerals. We're taking LSD at hospitals. Then we're taking an LSD and walking to a casino in France, gambling and winning. Uh there's a lot of ways to come at this. None of these are, are bad. All I want to know is, what LSD is this? I've never taken LSD <laughs> and been able to walk in a straight line. Is it just that he took it so often that he got used to it? I, I, I can't comprehend taking LSD in a place where there isn't a pile of pillows and four trusted, safe friends that you can curl up and... I can't walk. You can't walk. And he's gambling and winning. I can't imagine. Can you imagine giving someone money, getting chips back and not stopping for 45 minutes to think about how the chips now represent the money and laughing your ass off and curling over? He's winning his uh, plane fare back to the United States. What What is going on? Can you, Ramesh, can you imagine taking LSD and going and visiting your sick mother? I mean, like... And this isn't from a moralistic standpoint. This is from the standpoint of like, believe me, I think that would be really groovy. I would love to know that I would have a good trip. But I'm like, I'm with my dying mother, probably going to have a bad trip. Like, can you comment on the uh, heroic use of drugs in in Ram Dass's early days or how that struck you writing about it? Uh, Well, first, I think he he did get to... uh place where he was uh, so I mean he took somewhere in excess of 300 uh, psychedelic trips yeah that's a lot well, that's a lot <laughs> and, you know he, he he knew what it was like right he was not, and he, he was the trusted friend <laughs> you know he guided those trips for people for uh, years so then he could guide himself yeah, I mean, he knew what he was about with it. Mm. Um, but that aside, and and whether or not there was any, um, I forget what you call it, when you get used to taking something. and Tolerance. Uh, tolerance factor, yeah. Um, but um, I think, uh, you know, he, he had this uh, fluidity of, of going between planes at that point. Mm. And I think that was uh, one of the things that allowed him to open up to Maharaji so much also and mm. to become uh, a yogi in in a way that he was really working with uh, consciousness and not just, you know, uh, learning Hatha Yoga or meditation for that matter. I mean, it, it was really all of a piece of his work with consciousness and psychology and his understanding of what uh, uh, an ego self and a soul self 
uh, are like. Mm. So he was. Um, I forget he, where I started with this. Now I'm getting lost in the <laughs> answer. <laughs> but no, you are answering it. His, his. Uh, I think it, you know he, he uh, finally realized, and one of the things that he said about the uh, LSD experiences or psychedelics generally is that it, it became very astral in the sense that it, there were a lot of uh, a lot of iconography, icon, iconographic imagery and mythic uh, kind of adventures and other planes that were fascinating but ultimately uh, not terribly real. Mm. Mm. And and that was what brought him back to uh, the heart space. And that's not to say – I mean he didn't stop taking um, – psychedelics or smoking pot until uh, when he was living on Maui, really, mm. completely. And then uh, his uh, uh, the doctor who was doing acupuncture and Chinese medicine with him, uh, Malik, who you've uh, probably met, mm-hmm. uh, said, look, you know, I'm working on your brain with you. I'm trying to help you make some progress on this, and I can't do it if you're uh, still smoking uh Weed or, you know, taking other drugs. It's just, a, you know, it's uh, it's harmful in that sense. I mean, it was just a negative. So he, even after his stroke, again, see the, maybe it's oh, just yeah. me. Yeah. The courage to have your body, half of your body debilitated and be like, I'm still going to kick off into the unknown. Like, yeah, because it's so heavy. It didn't stop him. It didn't stop. I'm actually saying this kind of from a place of of admiration where I'm just like, yeah, no, I feel that also. I mean, it was like he was pretty unstoppable. And, you know, he after that stroke, which really he was not expected to live after that. Mm -hmm. Really, I remember Larry saying he thought Ram Dass was a goner Mm. after that stroke. It was so... It was a bleed. It was not a you know a, a, a blockage, and um, it um, it really devastated a big chunk of his brain. Mm-hmm. And he came back from that, and he hung around for another twenty two years. Yeah, I That's, couldn't have done that. You know, it, I, I know I, I would either from the standpoint of physical fortitude or uh, determination and courage. Mm. He had a lot of that. Mm. Were you with him when he passed? Yeah. I, I, I've heard, forgive me for being kind of a spiritual tourist here, but I am interested as someone who loves Ramdas very much, what Mm -hmm. that, what that was like. I, I just want to concede the ego level here and be like, oh, he's, he's my guy. And I, I want him to have this groovy death, but I have heard conflicting, not conflicting, but I've heard reports of the the sit up, breathe three times, and he lets his body go to to in between. Could you tell me what your perception was like? Um, I know it's a well, heavy it's question. the first time I I was with somebody when they actually left their body. Mm. Well, I mean, you know, I've had a fair amount of death in my life. Mm. But I hadn't been there with somebody at that moment of death, except it wasn't really a moment. It was sort of a process. Mm. And um, 
you know, he was kind of gasping for uh, breath. And uh, I remember one, two of his uh, doctors were there. Uh, Malik uh, was there and uh, Mark Haddad. Did you ever meet him? I don't think so. I know Christopher was there. I know Christopher. Yeah, Christopher was there and Dasima and mm-hmm. me. And that was mm-hmm. it. And uh, he was um, gasping for breath a couple of times and then he stopped breathing and then he would gasp a couple more times. But I mm. think by the time he really stopped breathing, I think there was a, it was sort of a, a breathing reflex at the end. And I felt like his uh, consciousness that he was out of his body by then. Right. And um, I, I, you know, f- for me, I, I've uh, known him for 50 years and he's been this great mentor for me and uh, we shared a lot over the years and um uh, I was, I had this sort of conflicting emotion of being sad that he was leaving and uh, and also really happy for him to get out of that body. Mm. It was getting so hard. It was pretty rugged, you know, at the end. Mm-hmm. I, 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 as I said, I, I wouldn't have hung around that long. Right. I mean, the pain, when when it's people would lot. explain it, he's in yeah. pain. Yeah. Like, I was sitting with Constant, a guy all in the pain. Time. Yeah. yeah. You couldn't tell. <laughs> no, he never complained. That, yeah. that was, you, you wouldn't know unless you really asked him and, you know, yeah. got specific about it. And then he would tell you what was going on. But uh, mm. it, it, was, um, it was remarkable how he dealt with pain. Were you and guy, I've, I've tried it. Oh. I remember having sciatica myself for six weeks or something, and it was nasty. And I took painkillers. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I even talked to him about it. You know, during while I was going through it, and I, I, he, you know, kind of helped me how to think about it. But I still couldn't entirely do it. What did he say? Well, it was a way of, uh, you know, seeing that the pain is uh, not you. Mm. It's that roles and souls place, again, of witnessing the pain. Mm. And um, he was uh, able to stay in his uh, soul more thoroughly, Mm. I think. Mm. You know, and that, and that was how he worked with all of us, also. Hmm. That that I can attest to that for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, which is challenging for me. I, I I wrote about this in the book too. When you're like, "Hey, I, I put a lot of your teachings in my TV show," and 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 it's just like, it's like talking to a tree or something. <laughs> <laughs> or you know, it's it's like my daughter saying, "I drew a triangle." And I'm like, okay, yeah. I mean, like, I feel the same with with or without the triangle. I'm happy for the triangle, but no, you can't 
you can't divide infinity is 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 the thing mm. and i would really feel that from him that that is another jesus thing i tell it all the time but he tells a parable about three workers coming to work in a field one shows up in the morning one shows up at noon and one shows up at like six o'clock end of the workday seven o'clock and at the end of the day the the field owner pays all three men the same and my friend rob bell says because you can't divide infinity god already loved you mm. like we want to be like, but the guy that showed up in the morning should get more. It's the prodigal son, basically. Yeah. The son that stays and is a good boy, he should get more. And it's like, (laughs) uh, sorry. That wasn't the... (laughs) Yeah. That wasn't the story. You can't earn it. You can't earn it. It's so beautiful. Ramesh, I'm really really grateful for this time with you. I'm trying to think if there's any any other thing I was going to... Is there anything you wanted to mention? Well, I I was you know because of your what you've been saying about uh, Christ, I was remembering what Maharaji had uh, told us. I think it was Raghu actually who uh, arrived and uh, um, asked Maharaji how to meditate, mm. and Maharaji said, uh, "Meditate the way Christ meditated." And sent him to the back where we were all sitting around, you know, waiting to <laughs> see him or be fed or have tea or whatever it was we spent our time <laughs> gossiping, <laughs> gossiping. Yeah. And uh, so we gossiped about that. We asked him what you know Maharaji said. And when we saw Maharaji again, I, I maybe it was Ramdas who asked him who was so. How did Christ meditate? And he said he lost himself in love. Mm. And that made, you know, he was saying it from that place of that state of being in love. Mm-hmm. I've heard that sort where he's crying. He said, yeah, well, I just and tears were rolling down his eyes. Yeah. From his eyes at one point. It was, it was very profound, his... Uh, um, feeling about Christ, and I, you know, for us to be coming from such a distance and then being uh, uh, look, I didn't go there physically, but I had the same experience. I was like, yeah. I came all this way spiritually, <laughs> yeah, and you're sending me back. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> I, I was, I was the sheep, and I, I broke away. I <laughs> yeah, I thought, and then we're like, oh, Maharaj Jesus, uh, here we're back again. Yeah. Are you concerned at all that, or have you given it any thought at the potential that in like a hundred years, if if the earth is still going, here's hoping. Mm-hmm. Um, that I know, right? That's a whole other thing. That this could become like a religion. Let me. Let, I'll preface it with this. I, I remember I went to a, a meditation here in LA with. Um, members of the satsang and all that and people were handing out something and they were like make sure you take it with your right hand not your left hand because in India you wipe with your left hand and and uh, but don't take it with your right hand and I was like I was yeah but I was like that's thank you and I was like oh so the the love is available but not if I take it with my left hand let me ask you something what if I don't have a right hand you know what I'm saying like and we're back at fundamentalism is there any concern that we we could turn this into not living spirit but it could become 
well, you know, Maharaji, and, and, and we have church and we throw bananas at each other. But like we lose the message that God, guru and self are one, that truth is one, that God is one. And, and we become weird Ramdas worshipers <laughs> and we become Ramesh. Oh, you're St. Paul, St. Ramesh. Uh, well, you know, he said that and we got to do this. And uh, did you hear him on that Pete Holmes podcast? He said specifically <laughs> that you need to blah, 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 blah. Uh, and, <laughs> and when Ramdas died and he was gasping, that means you need to gasp. If you don't gasp, the spirit can't. Like, remember in the book, it says when you're cremated, somebody has to hit the skull to break the skull so the soul is released. And I'm like, well, did really? someone break that? Well, I know, exactly. I was like, so did someone break Ramdas's skull? Is someone there breaking his skull at his cremation? I don't think so. Uh, are you concerned that this could be religified? Or maybe not concerned, or is that interesting? Or what do we do to... I'm Sometimes not worried. It... Okay, good. <laughs> that was a long question for a simple answer. I mean, you know, you, who knows? But uh, one of the, uh, uh, you know, hallmarks of Maharaji was that he kept disappearing. Mm. And he told Ramdas not to have any ashrams and, you know, not to accept his father's inheritance. Mm. And you know, I th I think the feeling of of it is uh, traveling light. Hmm. There's a, he Maharaji used to quote this uh, uh, line from Kabir, which uh, Krishna and us differing tr translations of. It. <laughs> it's something like, uh, "I walk through the marketplace, and I am neither a buyer nor a seller." Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just that lightness. I love that. And um, I think if, you know, if we can keep that space of uh, love, that uh, it'll be okay. And there's also, I mean, Ram Dass, uh, I, I keep thinking of this in the wake of his passing, Um he used to uh, quote the last line of the uh, Heart Sutra a lot. Um, and I'm not sure whether it was his version of it or whether it's what it actually says, but it's along mm. the same lines, which is the, uh, the form is the form of the formless. Mm. The formless is no other than form. Mm. So this is it and this is not it. <laughs> I know I, the the Diamond Sutra, the Heart Sutra. These these things have a way of in two lines dropping yeah. you, just dropping you, dropping all of you, and that is a great one. I love that so much. Um, mm. Beautiful, good place to end. <laughs> it is a it is a good place to end. <laughs> this is going to be silly, but we always end with one question. It can be a very short answer. Um, because we got spiritual or whatever, um, we'll get back into the world and I'll say, can you tell me a time in your life that you laughed very, very hard? It doesn't have to be an amazing story, but if you're laughing to the point of tears, how old are you? Who are you with? What happened? I think, I mean, the, I, 
what I remember most recently laughing a lot was with Ramdas over this book. Is that right? Yeah, I mean we we did uh, laugh a lot, and, and as you're, I'm sure aware, he had a kind of uh, uh, wicked sense of humor at times, mm-hmm. and most of that uh, um, was better not to put in the book. <laughs> Hilarious. I love it. If you tell me a wicked Ram Dass story right now, I'll love you forever. But I, the, you'll laugh. One of the stories, Val and I always go, Jesus. And it's because I was in the car with Ram Dass and Dossie, and Dossie took a goofy left turn. Right. I mean, it was a bad left. And he went, Jesus. And I thought it was so funny. Talk about transcending roles, that here he is, the holy man, and he's blaspheming, but it was just so human, and it was so, it was right on, and it made me laugh so hard. So those actually stick with me. Yeah, and when times I, around the dinner table were often like that. Is that right? Sure. Does, does one come to mind, a salty Ramdas? Not anything particular. I gave him an ice cream sandwich the last time I saw him, mm. and he said, my friends are digging my grave. <laughs> I was like, I, I'm trying to be nice. And he, he, he still enjoyed it, but he, he didn't spare the rod on that one. I felt pretty bad about it. Mm-hmm. I did. I, I got over it. <laughs> um, so you would laugh with him. That's beautiful. I, I, I don't know if you know the story. Govinda told me that Ramdas didn't want to write the book. And then he was sitting in the hot tub and it was quiet. And out of nowhere, he just went, damn it, people need to know. <laughs> and that was the moment that he decided he just didn't want to be a holy guy yeah, or just known as like on a pedestal. He was like, let them hear the story. And that speaks to the second time I sat with him. I said, hiya, Dick, because they told me that he would th- think that was funny. All of the like, oh, Rob does, oh, Rob does. I was like, hey, Dick. And, and he did. We were, we were right there. It was beautiful. So, Ramesh, I feel great. The book is called Being Ram Dass. Thank you so much for doing this with me. I can't wait to see you looking like a little boy in the hot tub again. And, yeah, uh, I'm and, forward to that and to seeing your Ms. Leela. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be the best. I can't mm. wait. We have the picture of, of Ram Dass holding Leela up on our wall and oh, and when and, and when we walk by she goes dada baba <laughs> which is which is really fun well, oh, please give my love to Val too I will thank you she misses you too we can't wait mm. to see you and um, thank you for taking the time it's silly but would you say keep it crispy it's it's just the sign off I don't say it the guest says keep it crispy and that's how we say goodbye <laughs> You're free to ask what it means. There's no good answer. It just means, you know what it means? It means be here now. It means stay crisp, stay present. I like that. Keep it crispy. <laughs> I don't know why. It tickles me more when we call these episodes the Ramcasts because we all we talk all about Ramdas. They make me laugh harder when you guys say keep it crispy. So thank you. As long Ramesh. as we're not plugging crispy creams at the end. No, those are good, though. <laughs> those are good. Thank you so much. We'll see you again. Much love, Pete. Much love really to you. really sweet to hang out. I loved it. Perfect yeah. way to start my day. Thank you. 
Okay, be good. Bye bye. Wrong. Home run.